Hey, this is Matt Dwyer, and I just want to invite you to check out themattdwyer.com. That's my website, where it's a landing spot for all things that are the podcast, like my Patreon page. For $5 a month, you could become a Patreon subscriber. You get bonus blogs, bonus content. A lot of my interviews go two hours, but I only post an hour. So there's the part two there. There's episodes in their entirety that unedited a lot of stories that you might not hear in the podcast. So go to themattdwire.com, become a Patreon subscriber. There's also merchandise. You can buy t-shirts and a phone case. I think those are the only two things I have right now. But you can also find my social media and see the past episodes. Every episode is on there. Um, You can see a lot of my past guests. You might discover some people you didn't know were on the show and be like, holy shit, he's had Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips or holy shit, he's had Danita Sparks from L7. So go to themattdwire.com, become a Patreon subscriber, buy some merch. Thank you. Conversations with Dwyer, or I might just start calling it Dwyer. Either way, this is a music podcast. I'm Matt Dwyer, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is called City Kids. It's by Karina Reichman, and it's a single, and you can get that on her Bandcamp, which is, the link is in the show notes, and you could follow her because she's working on an album, and when that comes out, you can get a notice, and then you can buy that too. But please, buy music, don't stream it. It's something I talk about all the time on this podcast, and it seems like people are starting to wake up towards how awful Spotify is. Whether they'll do anything about it, I don't know. But Karina Reichman is a New York City-based bass player. And she's from New York. She's not somebody from Ohio who moved to New York, or like me, who is from Illinois, and moved to New York and then quickly realized I wasn't cut out for New York and I went to LA. But she has played with Marco Benevento as a, obviously as a bass player and she replaced Dave Drewitz from Ween. Ween. She goes into all this. You don't need me to do it. I'm just giving you a little info. But she's great. This is an awesome conversation. She's really funny and I had a blast. It was one of those Usually when these interviews start, I can tell within the first couple seconds, if not minute, how that's going to go. And I just, as soon as she started talking, I was like, this is going to be fun. And I'm right. So please go to the show notes. All her information is in there. Instagram, Bandcamp, you name it, it's in there. If if it's to be plugged, it's there. Also, if you are looking for a website, kellyrdewire.com, that's my partner. She builds websites. She does some biggies. She does the Exactly Right Network. She does Ologies. If you don't follow Ologies or listen to Ologies, it's a great podcast about science. And we need all the science help we can get these days. Um, and she does a bunch of other stuff. She does great websites. She does mine, themattdwire.com, which, speaking of which, my Patreon, there's extra conversation with Karina. So you can enjoy that. Um, I believe that's it. I... Just if you're on Spotify, I don't understand how we're still people are still on Spotify. I'll admit it took me too long to get off of Spotify, but I have friends who are very progressive minded and they'll be like, that coffee isn't fair trade. 
But, like, there's nothing fair about Spotify. They fucking rob from artists. The dude's worth 3 to $4 billion, and he could pay musicians. He could pay musicians for their music, but he doesn't. So, please, keep that in mind. And he invests in the companies who are a part of the military-industrial complex, which is pretty fucking awful. <laughs> Just to name one of many things about that guy, Daniel Eck, that are awful. Okay, that being said, here is my great episode with Karina Reichman. I'm wildly organized, wildly. Oh, I'm like, impressive. I'm uh, extremely uh, OCD and uh, everything has a place. Everything has a place. Like this is in motion. It's about to be taken out of here. And this is annoying me so much. <laughs> the fact that, you know, I'm about to rehearse with it and it's still annoying. Like, you know, like, what are you doing here? You're not in place. But no, I didn't tidy up at all. In fact, I... Uh, I did the opposite, just trash the place and uh, hope for the best. But yeah, no, I'm very organized, very OCD. I uh, I love Windex. I love, you know, I love doing laundry. I love folding shit. I love, everything has a place. Everything has a place. I have a system for everything. That's impressive. I feel like creative people are either total fucking disasters and slobs and mm-hmm. sort of like that stereotypical, like, mad genius, like... Like no one else could find it, but like I'm that way. I like I know exactly where it is, but somebody yeah. would walk in and be like, "What the fuck? Are you on a crack right. binge?" <laughs> sure. Sometimes you just don't know. Sometimes uh, you know if, if 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 it works for you, I find that's just that's all you can ask for. If you have a system, then you're good, right? Do you do you feel that is 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 that also a creative approach to you or is that is there is there a connection between that and creativity for you or is that just me jumping at things that's a great question i like that i like that um no i w- i think my knee jerk reaction would be no to that because i find that there's uh there's no one way to skin a cat when it comes <laughs> to creativity you know and it's like <laughs> to me like the process for me is definitely just like whatever gets me there, you know? So that could take many, many, many forms and it can be, you know, I, I don't do just the same thing every day and hope it elicits a similar response. You know, I feel like that can be come from completely disorganized, you know, just bursts of inspiration that come from, you know, either nowhere or working really hard on one thing or different instruments or different, you know, something somebody said, something I said, I'm like, ah, that's it. You know what I mean? But no, I would say, uh, I, I think they're not intrinsically linked for me in terms of being wildly organized in one way, not so much in the other, but I definitely, you know, the one thing that I think they do, you know, have this, you know, in terms of symbiosis between the two, uh, you know, my desire to finish things and have them all in their right place. You know what I mean? Like that helps, you know, that definitely makes me want to not leave things unfinished and never done. And, you know, it makes me a perfectionist. Sure. But like, you know, I feel like I don't have that analysis paralysis thing where you know, <laughs> I try not to, I try, I really try. Uh, yeah. You said some two things that jumped out is the inspiration and then working hard. And do you feel like you can't have one without the other? Cause some people just wait for inspiration and some people say, you got to work for that man. And I was curious where, where that lies with you. 
Hey, uh, I think that's an interesting question too. And I think, uh, Thank you, you know, <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, you're getting cracking. We're, we're, we're right in, we're right in already. You know, uh, I, I would say that, you know, leaving oneself open to inspiration, you know, is certainly important. And like, you know, you can go about your daily life and then something will hit you. And, you know, the whole shower thing, you're in the shower, you have a great idea. You wake up first thing in the morning, you have a great, idea, you know, whatever that is. But, but realistically, like, you know, songs don't necessarily appear from thin air, you know, and you have to work for them in my experience and like you know if you're just waiting to get struck by a bolt of uh the best song ever and it'll just come you know without having you know sitting down architecting things and try you know I, I feel like trying just trying stuff trying stuff out you know that's for me what works and then you miss you miss you miss you miss <laughs> and then you're like oh there's something there we've cultivated a vibe we've cultivated a feeling here you know and then it's not nothing's ever done of course but you have to you have to call something done at some point if you want people to <laughs> <laughs> absorb but you know you know i'll be on my death being like oh i got it you know i got it but it's it, you know, hopefully it will have been released, uh, you know, 40 years prior to that. So anyway, yeah, I would say, uh, I would say nothing comes without working for it and trying stuff out and, you know, trial error, a ton of that. Um, that's, that's at least my experience of it. I wish I could just, you know, wait around for the, <laughs> this sort of, you know, magical moment that inspires everything. Right. And it's just like, Oh wow. I got, I, you know, there, there it is. Thanks universe for for you know bestowing that upon me and sometimes it works like that when you have something like i don't know i find if i have like an instrumental or something like that and i'm trying to figure out a lyrical concept for it like everything is like a concept right even if it's the stupidest concept ever it doesn't my very you know dear mentor told me about lyrics you know he's like yeah lyrics are everything but you don't have to say anything important and I love that line. And that's, that's, I think that's, you know, I've carried that with me for a minute now. And, uh, that can sort of come, you know, if you have like, Oh, I have this song I'm working for like towards, you know, and whatever, don't have a concept for it yet. You know, if you're just living, sometimes that'll come to you, you know, and then you'll be like, ah, I'll write about that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's, great. it's interesting. Cause you mentioned the shower and I was like, a lot of times, I don't know, like if I'm stuck, I'll be like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go take a shower. And I wonder yeah. what, the, what, what, does that work for you? Do you do that? Or like, it just seems like that's some magical place. I love to shower. Let me tell you, shower every day, bath every night. That's my, that's my regimen. I bathe even in the shystiest hotel room. Shiesty. No, you know, I, uh, yes, I love, I, yeah, you know, honestly, I feel like it's kind of fucked up to say, but in its most bastardized form, like the reason that that works is because you're not zapping your energy with your smartphone. <laughs> it's, it's, it's at least one sacred place where you're not looking at your phone and just being like, oh, uh, you know. I don't know, for, which is a sick fuck thing to say, but like truly like that, that at the very least, the shower is a place where your brain can just, you know, start to free associate without looking at anything. 
that, you know, you're not looking at words, you're not looking at, you know, people you know or don't know or like, you know, all this shit. So I feel like it works for that reason. <laughs> but I just love to shower. It's just great. And I like, do too. I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a problem. I wish I was one of those people who was just like, ah, shower when you're dead, bro. But just not, just not. I want to get there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I know I've known people who like always just have that bo funk and i guess you know if that's where they're happy that's cool but i'm like you know i used to have a friend who would come over and he would get on my couch and just fuck it up and then for days my couch had bo and i was like you motherfucker well that's terrible that's just like what are we gonna do about (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'd rather be like us i'd rather be like us shower a day yeah yeah oh man but yeah the it's interesting because you said it like that. I don't know. I'm wondering, do do you think smartphones are fucking our creativity? Because it's like no one, I feel like we're not doing that enough where we're get away and just be like free associate and let our mind wander, which when I was a kid was, you know, that's what you did or I did that. And people, and then now it's like, well, then you have some kind of problem if you're like, <laughs> it's like daydreaming is suddenly a bad thing or something. Totally. I mean, you know, for, for all the good that they bring, which, you know, I mean, there's so many things we could say about that in terms of like, you know, is being connected a good thing is, you know, just being able to quote unquote meet and connect with other people at a moment's notice, you know, that you would have never come in contact with never, you know, whatever that's, it's an incredible facet of what they provide for us. But for every good point i would say that having a computer in your pocket does for you yeah for, i mean for me personally I, I i feel like i have a real problem with it in in a lot of ways and i if i let myself fall down like you know two hours will have gone by and i'll just be like oh fuck like what have i even done like texted people emailed and looked at instagram like that's so fucked and like i reply to my dms way more than i should and i'm like oh like <laughs> Next thing you know, you just you've just gone down a, a you know a dark path. And I do I you know I notice that the days where you know I'm doing things and like purposefully put the phone away and like actually like when I'm working with my producer in the studio and like phone is far away from consciousness and like the end of the day comes you feel like you've done some shit and you haven't had your sort of synapses just zapped by just inane bullshit all day. <laughs> it does make a difference. It really does. I highly recommend it. It feels similar to me like when you eat just a bunch of shitty food. Like you just spent a day eating frozen burritos from 7-Eleven. That's what, and yeah. it's like, you just feel like, oh, like what have I done? Why do I hate myself so much? Totally, totally. No, it really, it really is something to, to be aware of, I feel like, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> You gotta know. You just gotta know when to when to pump the brakes. And like looking, and it's again, you know, an immeasurable tool for what we do. You know, you got it's a promotional tool that like is is unbelievable. You you gotta have it in a lot of ways. And you know, I envy the people who have you know, <laughs> you know, navigated life without it. It's unbelievable. But uh, yeah, to to pump the brakes pump the brakes every once in a while is something I'd like to exercise more in, in my life. <laughs> do, you, do you find you need to, because I felt like I had to start actively choosing ways to sort of nourish myself intellectually and creatively and, and dare I say spiritually because of such, like I was like, I got to get back to fucking reading and 
putting things in my head. Otherwise it's going to get bad. Square one. Yeah. I mean, sure. Absolutely. To me, it's, to me, it's, you know, and especially in these last couple of years of, uh, of darkness, you know, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I feel like when there aren't enough people, to me, it's about people. It's about connection, you know, like, and if I lack connection in real life, then I just gravitate to the phone and I'm like, Oh, these people are up to something. Who the fuck are they? I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> or, you know, just texting with people or whatever it may be like any form of connection, you know what I mean? So like, if I lack that in my day to day, which, you know, there have been uh, moments in the pandemic where, where I have, you know, I I'll just gravitate to this just to, to see people, you know, or like, and I know it sounds crazy, but like, I feel like it, it does something to your neuroreceptors where you're like, ah, oh, people, you know, but then if in real, which is like, you know, such a fucking thing about the last couple of years, you know, and of like just the lack of that, you know, but then once, once that comes back, that is the nourishment, you know? And when, when I feel like I've been surrounded by like-minded people all day and I've worked towards something with them, I don't know. I've just had, I've had a couple really, really uh, productive weeks in the studio with my producer and my band and, and, and other producer. And like, just like, you know, I, I feel like I've been ensconced in this sort of very nurturing environment, both intellectually and creatively and just on a personal level, you know? And so right now at this specific moment, I'm like, wow, like <laughs> that is such a huge difference from the way I felt two, three weeks prior where, you know, I live in New York, the Omicron shit was going absolutely banana. Like you couldn't, it was just it, it went, at times where it's limited in terms of your, you know, uh, your people, it, it can get tough, you know? And to me, like, instead of like, you know, turning to books, turning to meditation, turning to whatever film TV, like, you know, real shit, as opposed to like, whatever the fuck this is, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I find that for me, it's about people. It's about real life interaction. Like it, it does a lot for me personally. So yeah, starve for that shit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> when you first sort of turned towards music, was that, because for some people it's, were you looking for something inward to connect to or escape from, or were you looking for a means to connect to other people? The latter, I would say. I would definitely say, well, a little bit of both, you know, and that's sort of, I mean my knee jerk reaction says the latter just cause you know it, but truly you find sort of both in the process, I guess, you know, and now more than ever, like when I'm like working on my first, you know, solo record and like really writing, like writing, writing, and you sort of, uh, what is it? The, the arrow seeks the target, not the targets, the arrow. But like, if you're like, I'm just, you know, as you sort of create, and find yourself within this process. You know what I mean? And that's a very interesting thing that art can do for you that I would say other things sort of, you know, can't do as well. I would argue to say, you know, so, so a little bit, a little bit of both, but, um, but definitely like, you know, I, I want to make music that connects to people and that brings people together and brings, you know, create a space, every venue you play, you're creating a space where people can come at the end of their work day at the end of whatever bullshit is going on in their life, you know, and, and, you know, make them dance, make them groove, make them get out of their head, you know, 
<laughs> that that's what I'm in it for. I'm in it way less for me finding myself. Like, you know, I, even though, you know, that, that happens throughout the process, of course, but, but it's more for the, you know, those moments, it's more for, you know, the communal aspect of it. And just, you know, I love to make people dance and I love to dance and I love to play. So, <laughs> how does it wrong with all of the above you know it's fantastic how does it feel when you're on stage you're creating this vibe and you see a room full of people dancing and feeling joy because of something you create how does that feel it's probably the best feeling that i can think of it like is actually <laughs> you know that's uh because i'll tell you man i'm not in it for my health you know it's uh, it's uh if that wasn't the feeling that you know i remember feeling it for the first time is like you know fucking you know i mean yeah at a much lower level but like as like a 14 year old or whatever and like doing gigs and like just it's it's a real thing and uh if i didn't like that feeling and like hadn't gotten bit by the bug early and like you know said i was gonna do whatever i could to have that be a regular part of my life i sure as shit you know would have probably come, become <laughs> an investment banker or something with stability you know and health insurance that would have been uh, that would have been uh different no it's it's truly all bullshit aside it's, it's the best feeling in the world it I, is I feel like when I asked it, I felt like it was kind of a simple but an obvious question. But I also feel like few people know what that's like to really know what that's like. And and I think a lot of people don't understand what that must feel like. Absolutely. I mean, and how, you know, it's, it's one of those rare things where, you know, you get bit by, you get bit by a very, And you're like, oh shit, like now I really like, uh oh, you know, I'm gonna commit my life to this. Like, damn, wow. Cause it's it's not a it's not an easy road, obviously. And I have no expectations, you know, I just want that feeling to continue periodically. <laughs> like <laughs> every year of my life. Uh, so, you know, do what you can to make that happen, but no, it's a real, it's a real thing, and that's a feeling that like, you know, I, I know musicians know what I mean. You know what I mean? It's a very specific, specific thing where you just are like, you know, you suffer like <laughs> when you're on the road, you can like suffer 20 hours of the day, but then, you know, those four hours, like right before the show and during the show and whatever it is like, that's, that's makes it all worth it every night. You know, even if you have a shitty show, it doesn't matter. It's just like, this is, this is it. It's, it's an energy exchange, man. Not to get too heady about it, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> but you you said you were were you gigging at fourteen? You were doing shows at fourteen. Yeah. That's pretty crazy, and right? I, well, they were shitty shows. Don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> but still, that's pretty impressive. That's still- yeah, I mean, I I joined this band. I started band, uh, like you know. Uh, I got a, my first electric guitar at age 13. And then right thereafter, my friend at school who like taught me how to play guitar was like, we got to start a band. I was like, yeah, you know, and we had a punk band called false arrest. That gigged around <laughs> That's New a good York name. City. 
it was a good name, right? I came up with it because I was watching an episode of Cops and there was a guy in the back of the car that was like, false arrest, false arrest, victim assaulted, victim assaulted. And I was like, oh yeah, false arrest, good name. Um, but you know, we played, I don't know if these, you know, we played this club called Don Hills and like Freddy's Back Room and weird shit. We played the Knitting Factory back when it was in Manhattan. That's how old I've gotten, oh my God. And like, uh, you know, just, just dumb, you know, nothing, nothing popping off, but still, still there's a feeling that I got even back then, you know, that was like, whoa, this is cool. This is, this is something I like this, you know, I, I, I always liked being the quote unquote talent, you know, cause I worked on the other side. I was, I worked for a concert promoter for seven years throughout all this, you know, and like definitely very detail oriented and, you know, organizing shows and sending con- you know, contracts and uh, putting together offers and all that shit. And like, you know, that's the same thing. So well, it's similar when the a show that you've slaved over goes off. Right. And like the bands on stage, you're soaking in the vibe. You're one of the, you know, that's all for people who don't play instruments. That's kind of as close as you can get. I feel like, you know, like that's your baby, but there's nothing compared to being, the band, you know, like when that's you on stage that somebody is like, you know, architected the whole show, you know, and then it's like, all right, go time. You're on. That's the feeling. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I like that. It always just appealed to me. And I understand that it, you know, it, it doesn't appeal to everybody. And thank God, because let me tell you, it's, uh, <laughs> I know this when you're the behind the scenes person, you get less free booze and drugs. That's, I know that for a fact. That's probably true. That's probably true. I've been on both sides. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) And I have friends who are like, you know, up there in the world and everything's free and I'm like, they have fucking money. They don't need everything for free. Fuck you. Who it was? Yeah, what's what's the famous rock band? It's like you know, you start to make some money, baby, and then everything comes free. <laughs> I think that's what Bowie said. The only thing, good thing about fame was not waiting in lines and not having to pay for anything. Other than that, he did. What was punk the first thing you were attracted to, music wise, or was there other worlds? Uh, well, it was the first thing that I could play. Well, <laughs> <you know. laughs> If we're calling a spade a spade here, if we're keeping it in a full buck, Matt, uh, you know, but musically, no, not necessarily, but that was definitely an early undercurrent for me. I, um, I, I loved just classic and nineties, you know, rock music, you know, I was big into just seventies riff rock as a kid, you know, at a certain point, I loved mountain. I loved James gang. I love Zeppelin. I love Sabbath. I love rush. I loved like all that music. But then I was also shit. I mean, I ran, I ran the game too. Cause I was super, I was a big hip hop head. Love the beastie boys, tribe called quest, biggie, like all just classic nineties hip hop in a big way. But also, you know, Beck, nine inch nails, huge. I love the heavier shit. Metallica, Slayer, Pantera, all that shit, Helmet. And then, of course, yeah, I was really into Fugazi, really into the Bad Brains, really into, you know, all all of that, you know, Descendants, oh my God, Minor Threat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, you know, I always had this sort of like extreme genre fluidity in my veins, you know what I mean? And I didn't think of that as whatever. And then I got turned on to jam bands 
you know, around 13, 14, you know, and that of course changed the course of my life. Um, <laughs> And in many ways, did that um, feel like home to you, so to speak, or that it really spoke to you? It did. It did. It spoke to me in lots of ways, but also in the ways that you know I find in in you know if you look at a band like Fish specifically, you know uh, they are extremely genre fluid, even though you know they're famous for these jams, you know, but they in their songwriting if you look at the scope of the catalog, they are, you know, such a huge like emblem of freedom and creativity in their writing. And that could include, you know, an effortless sounding, you know, three minute long song that's, you know, sounds like, I don't who knows, whatever. And that can include, you know, a completely composed 11 minute long thing that never repeats itself like you know to me that was exciting and is wildly exciting about all that music but I, you know as much as i love all of that we could talk about that forever like to me it's <laughs> i'm uh, I, I don't know i draw from so many different you know and i love jazz and i love blues and i love oh my god like i don't even know i, I love portishead i love I, <laughs> literally looking at my records right here right now and i'm like oh my god there's sun o and like well that's stevie that's ween and that's testament and that's holy shit damn ween to testament that's a yeah and steve miller like you know all classic shit i love instrumental music you know i love all kinds of like damn wow there's so much good shit in here fuck i wish you could only see it's crazy stuff going on over there um next time i'm in new york yeah, please come come to my bedroom. Come to my bedroom. Do you feel like right. for like a jam band? I, I'm not. I I can't. Like I try to know as much as I can about music, but there's it's such a vast fucking world. It's it's, and I I will say I'm not very knowledgeable about jam band stuff. I did see the Grateful Dead, but uh, with Jerry Garcia, that's if you want to talk about old. <laughs> that's big. That's big. But. Jerry Eric D, the real, the real DG. But you kind Very of, cool. don't you have to be fluid and have a vast knowledge to be that, to jam and to be that improvisational? Don't you have to be able to go anywhere, would you say? I think uh, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I would definitely say that. I would definitely say that. No, it's, you know, and I find that the fans, you know, are extremely, they have some of the widest ears among fan bases you know what i mean like the jam band fans first of all they'll see they'll keep coming back to see you they'll see you a million times over and they're not into like this like flavor of the month thing that like you sort of can find in the indie world where you're only as good as your last record you put out you know they you know bands live and die by every single they put out and if they put out a shitty single you're fucked you're done you know like it's it's about more than that in the jam world, which is kind of cool. And, uh, I mean, extremely cool. And, uh, they have wide ears. They have, they have ears that are open and receptive to like, if you get heavy, if you get electronic, if you get completely, you know, atonally, you know, fucking tripped out they're they're there with you. It's really interesting. They, they're fans that want to take a journey with you. And that, is a special thing, you know, and that certainly isn't the case for every style of music that one could play, you know? So I'm super grateful just to, you know, have found myself kind of ensconced in a little corner of the world where 
I can be genre fluid, which is where talk about self discovery, you know, like while I'm making this record, I'm literally like song by song. I'm like, ah, well that's, that leans a little bit in this direction. And ah, this one leans a little bit in this direction. And, you know, will it be cohesive enough? But like, you know, I, I think it's fucking cool, you know, and that's me. That's the most me thing about it is the fact that it goes in these different directions and it is genre fluid, you know? And, uh, to me, that's exciting. And hopefully people will think so too, but if they don't, they can go fuck themselves. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Do you can't please everyone. I hope this also isn't a simple and corny question, but when you said self-discovery, like I know you're speaking of music, but do you also find there's a sense of self-exploration and discovery as an individual within that? And is that corny? Well, they're, they're, no, it's not. <laughs> to me, they're, they're intrinsically linked, you know, the person making the stuff and the stuff and the, and the journey and the ride. Yeah, no, they're, I, I, I consider them one and the same <laughs> one through, you know, another, basically that, that wasn't worded well, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I mean, I feel yeah. like creatively the, all the greats have always been, searching for self within their music or uh, something like spiritual or internal self. And those who don't, it, sometimes it doesn't seem so great. <laughs> I mean, you can have not, you know, great music without that, but that's what I've been sure, attracted but, to. Well, and like, you know, there, I feel like there's the feeling that there's a person behind the music that you're listening to. Who's a person. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the crux of humanity. <laughs> you know? If you find humanity within a piece of art, like it's usually because you connected with the person who made it. Do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, and then chicken and the egg, right? Like one doesn't come without the other. There, you, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> um, so growing up in New York, you must have, it's easy to have access and have a lot of influence, right? To go see, because I lived in New York and you could just see fucking anything, anywhere. Was that a That's big... That's all I did. You did? That's didn't? all I wanted to do. Oh, did. That's all I did. Yes. Oh, I did. Did I ever? Oh my God. That's literally, you know, in high school, I was out, you know, my parents left the door on like, <laughs> they're just like, you know, I would come in late I would see a show every night of the week and like disparate shit you know it was like one night was Zappa plays Zappa and Return of Forever at the Beacon and the next was Lamb of God Irving Plaza and the next was uh you know Four Nights of Fish and then Prince at the Garden and Three Nights of the Disco Biscuits and you know all these legacy acts that I was into seeing and jazz and fucked up shit like yes absolutely it was absolutely the without that and every time I went like it was I didn't, I, I literally, <laughs> I didn't drink at all in high school. I literally like had my first drink at like age 19 or 20. And I'm not, a, I literally barely drink and I don't do drugs like straight up. That's, that's great. It was never, it was never about a party in that way. You know what I mean? Every time I would see live music, it was a lesson. And I know that sound, and trust me, if you were there with me, you'd be like, we're having the best time ever. It was always a party but not one that was fueled by anything illicit, you know, for my age, it was literally, just, and I was obsessed with going to see the Almond Brothers band specifically. I saw 10 nights at the, at the Beacon wow. theater every March at like 
you know, from age like 14 to when it stopped, which I think they stopped when I was like 20, but I went every year, every show. And that I was so desperate to be in the door every night and to be in the orchestra every night. Cause I wanted to see Derek trucks and Morin Haynes and O'Teal play, play off each other. Like there was something that was such a learning experience for me, just watching it every night. And like that, you know, going to see fish and watching all this stuff, like, you know, I've seen over a hundred fish shows, like, you know, in 12 years, whatever. And it's, it's a lesson for me every night. And I feel like growing up in New York and having access to see all this music and, you know, just more and more and more and more and more, like anything I would go to see, I would take something away from, you know, like, just as a student of the shit. I feel like a student of the shit. I always was. That's all I like. I want, you know, it's like anthropological and beyond for me to go and be in these environments, see the bands, soak in what they're doing. You know, when I'm not playing and when I'm not like actively recording and writing and whatnot, that's what I like to do. I don't like to do anything else. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm like going to fucking, I don't even have an example. Shit. <laughs> what else do people do? <laughs> It was there I like a- to go to night restaurants and I like to go see shows. That's like end of list. I don't know. I like to take a bath every night and a shower every morning. <laughs> That's I'm a simple woman, woman of simple tastes. I uh, admire all of this. Do you, was it a conscious choice? And I think it's a smart, because I went the opposite way. Cause I was like, I wanted to be Johnny party guy and all my, the people I looked up to and was surrounded by, there was a lot of, and frankly, it may have sidetracked some things. <laughs> was not was there a conscious choice or did it just not appeal to you or were you like making a conscious choice? I'm not going to fuck with this bullshit. Well, it certainly didn't appeal to me, you know, and I, I just kind of felt like serious about my shit, you know, and serious about how I presented myself. And I didn't want to be like this, like 15 year old, like show going girl that like was sort of maligned because I was like a party girl or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I was a, <laughs> to call myself a serious musician is hilarious. Cause I never had a music lesson in my life, but like, I was serious about it. You know what I mean? I was like really, and I had this boyfriend at the time. It was the same age. Like we were both like these, you know, real, musicians of a certain sort, you know, and he's like still plays and is a metal musician and, you know, is doing cool stuff on his own. But like, I don't know. I feel like he and I were just like, go to see all these shows, all of our friends. Like we had like our little posse that that was just kind of not into that element of it. And we took our craft seriously, you know what I mean? And like, I'm not saying you can't take, you can have both. You really can, but just the whole thing didn't appeal to me. And I don't know something about growing up in New York, like, you sort of always feel like you're being surveilled a little bit. Like you step outside your apartment building and boom, like millions of people, all walks of life, scrutiny, like you're there, you know what I mean? Whereas like, and, and, and by on that same tip, you know, it's sort of like, you feel like uh, there's fun everywhere. It's all stimulating. You're stimulated all the time. You know what I mean? And it's about, you know, navigating that. Whereas like, you know, when I got older and like made friends in the suburbs and in, you know, rural places, that's where you go. When I go to like, you know, Marco Benevento, when I go to his house in Woodstock and it's rural, I'm like there, I'm inclined to have a drink. <laughs> that because when you live in a rural thing, like you, I, I get, you like have to construct your own fun and your own stimulation. Otherwise it's just dead silent, you know? And I really feel like there's a delineation there in terms of being raised here. Like I've always felt, 
you know, like there was excitement and energy surrounding me. So like, I didn't need to add to that, you know? And also I'm a fucking lunatic to begin with complete. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's innate. I don't need anything to make me crazy or I'm fucking crazy. Like that was just from the get go always. And like loud, I don't need anything to like make me less shy. I'm not shy. Like I'm, I'm just out here, you know, I, uh, people do things for all different reasons, right? Whatever. But when I do go to these rural places, I'm like, who's got the tequila? What's going on here? Like, let's burn something. Let's get a lot. You know what I mean? Like, it's too quiet. What's going on? Um, so yeah, that's sort of the, the, the line I would say between like the sort of, you know, disparate upbringings that one can have, but mine certainly, yeah, I don't know. It just never appealed to me. It just never really, and I didn't need it. I didn't want it. You see all the horror stories. I was like, I'm good on this. I just love music. I love people and fun and friends and like activity, <laughs> but I don't need the other shit. Like I'm kind of good, you know? So, and that's not to say like, like, like tequila is my drug of choice. If you know, once in a blue moon, I literally haven't had a drink since September and I haven't done anything else. Like, you know, so it's not, and not for any reason, other than I haven't had a good opportunity to like want that. I like to like play a big show and like, if I need to stay up, if I play in new Orleans and I have to play until six in the morning at jazz fest, like I love tequila. It's fucking great. You know, but that's, uh, that's sort of, you know, it's like, it, that, it also, everything affects me so much, you know, that I'm like, <laughs> like a shot of tequila might keep me up all night. You know what I mean? Damn. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, I like to sleep well, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> very self-protective, very self-protective. You see everyone who listens is going to be like, damn, she's such a lunatic and they're right. And they're right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But lunatics are good. We need more. You're the right kind of lunatic. There's too many of the other kind of lunatics. You're I like the inspiring, charming, fun to be around lunatic that everyone should want to be. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I also, you know, this isn't, uh, there's no, there's no, you know, let's be clear. There's no judgment. Like, you know, how many people do I know that, you know, swing in the complete opposite direction from me, most of them, you know, and like, I'm friends with people who do all kinds of things and stuff and it's all good. You know, I feel like personal, uh, personal choices here, man, personal choices. We're all built differently. We're all built. Differently. True. I'm going to take a while because your parents were very supportive of this world. Obviously, if they left the door unlocked and you could wander the streets of New York late at night by yourself, they must have been, they must have seen something in you, right? Yeah, but that's the thing. I was always incredibly responsible. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't give them any reason to, to wonder. Like, and I know it sounds, you know, because everything I'm describing to you is like, yeah, like, you know, I started taking the subway by myself at like 12 or 11 or whatever. And, yeah, I was going to shows early and, and playing them early and whatnot. But like, I, and right, like they didn't have reason to worry, you know, in the traditional way, you know what I mean? Like, of course there are external forces in this world and crazy people that aren't me in this world, but <laughs> I wasn't doing anything destructive, you know, like I was, uh, and like, you know, it was the age of the cell phone, you know? This is like, we're talking like 2006, 2007, 2008. I'm like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Like that's all, 
you know, kosher, you can text me. Where are you? I'll be like, I'm coming home. Saw a great show, you know, or whatever it might've been. And, and I, I was lucky to have my music friends, you know, people who I went to see shows with a lot. So if I didn't answer, she could text Isaac or Josh or <laughs> Matt or whoever. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, we're coming, you know, or, or whatever it would have been. So, so yeah, no, they were, were and are, and I'm the luckiest, the luckiest human. I have incredible, incredible parents and an incredible relationship with them. And they, um, they supported me then and they support me now and they love it. And they come to my shows and they're stoked and they don't know a thing about music, but they love it when I put it on for them you know, and they love, you know, the stuff that I do, but it's certainly, it was never, um, <laughs> imposed on me music. And in fact, it was the opposite. They didn't show me a thing. They didn't like teach me about the Beatles. You know what I mean? They, I got no, it was all a very self motivated, uh, uh, prophecy here that I fulfilled for myself, you know, something about it appealed to me off rip. And I, uh, I shunned everything else, you know? So I'm very lucky. I have awesome parents. We hung out yesterday. It was a delight. So great. They're just the best. So yes. When did you go from guitar to bass? Was there, was that a thing where you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm playing bass. Well, when I, when I, (laughs) yes, yes. I sort of played both simultaneously in, you know, I played in like five bands going nowhere for a long time, you know? So it's like, Oh, and like two of those, I played guitar, three of those, I played bass, like whatever, like throughout my teen years, you know, but it wasn't until I joined Marco's band, which was when I was 22, where I was like, Oh shit. Like Karina, like you gotta be a bass player now. Like you gotta buckle down on the bass, dude. Like you just got the biggest gig of your life, you know, which it, which it was, you know, and is, um, so I, I buckled down on bass when I was 22 and that was like, okay, you know, and I, you know, I, I write on guitar. I play a little guitar here and there, but like, I would never call me for a guitar gig. Now. <laughs> you know, I'm definitely bass player Karina at this point, but I, the bass always appealed to me, you know, and, and I, and I love playing guitar. Don't get me wrong. And, and I definitely started on that, but there's something about the bass where, you know, simplify your life, man, one note at a time. You feel like, you know, just feeling the rumble under your feet next to your amp. So appealing. Also, you know, guitar, guitar tone is so such a delicate thing, such a sensitive thing. Shitty guitar tone ruin your whole day. Your whole life. <laughs> I really feel that way. Like you gotta be really on your shit with, as a guitar player, like, you know, uh, backline amps, like, you know, you never know. You gotta have your rig like really proper. Um, but for bass, like, and don't get me wrong. I'm the worst person to say this because I have a stupid pedal board and huge bass rig. That's unnecessary a lot of the time, but you can really just plug a bass direct into an amp, turn it on. It's probably going to sound pretty fucking good off rip, you know? So I, I appreciate that about the bass (laughs) and, uh, it's just a beautiful thing, you know? And, uh, I don't know. I, I always, I'm also, I'm, I'm, I'm a very groove oriented person, you know, like I'd much rather hear an instrumental thick bass groove than like, you know, a mopey singer songwriter, you know, thing. 
you know, and not that I don't love that too, but you know what I mean? Like if you get me a fucking fat groove that I can sink my teeth into that I'd like to live inside of like a little orb, like that's where I'm at my, that's, I'm happy there. That's what I like. You know, who were early influenced bass wise, like bass players that spoke to you early on. It was, it was a lot of Cliff Burton. I was really into Cliff from Metallica, Geezer Butler, Sabbath, Bootsy, I was obsessed with and still am, you know, Les Claypool really, you know, to me just completely reinvented the instrument and nobody sounds like him super inspiring in terms of just being, you know, unequivocally yourself. So nobody sounds like that guy. And he's, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, not that I play like any of those guys. Well, I sort of geezer and cliff, you know, I love playing fuzz bass. Love it. It's sort of my thing. You know what I mean? Like, I love to fucking really <laughs> that <my> shit. <laughs> so that's big, you know, I like all that. And, um, you know, later in life, sort of getting into, you know, Phil Lash and Mike Gordon and, you know, the, the more, you know, Dave schools at this point and, you know, kind of seeing what people do in a more jam centric context, obviously influences a lot of what I do, you know? So sort of marrying all of the things is interesting to me, you know, being punchy like Bootsy, being fuzzed out like Cliff, you know, and, and with Phil, Phil Lash is an interesting case, you know, he plays a six string bass, never lands on the one plays all these notes, you know, and all that sort of stuff that was always fascinating to me, you know? And I'm like, wow, okay. Like this is just super unorthodox, but super interesting and kind of nobody sounds like him. And many people have tried, you know, and Mike Gordon on that tip, you know, it's interesting to study his play. Like, you know, I feel like I overplay a lot or I underplay, you know what I mean? I'm either doing quite a bit or, really keeping it simple and with him like you know i when he like you know especially in in improv moment and whatnot he gets extremely busy a lot of the time and i'm always listening and and seeing ways in which it's extremely busy but very specific you know what i mean and like he knows exactly what he's doing or when he's feeling around for it but just sort of this this element of the search the right thing at the right time like that that really appeals to me as more than a bass player as a musician as a person you know and that's why sort of talking about the jam sphere if you will like that why the jam sphere is is so appealing to me among other things but like you know both band and audience are interested in the intrinsic search for something and we do it together and they inform each other. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you consider yeah. what you do, your music, jam? I'm complicated. I'm very complicated. So... Because <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that when, when I've listened to you, I don't, I never went, oh, well, jam music. But that's great news. That's great news. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's great. What I'm trying to do, that's excellent. I really like that you just said that because, you know... 
in recent years in the jam sphere, if we're here, you know, things have gotten, uh, I would say a little, uh, diluted and a little sort of, uh, self-referential as opposed to searching outside of these things. You know what I mean? So like for me, I like to write music that, you know, hopefully they're, they're real songs and they don't just sound like, you know, like less of that, but in a live context, do my songs get the improvisational treatment? Yeah. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And a lot of them don't get played the same way twice. And a lot of them get segued into one another in ways that you're not going to hear on the recordings, but I'd like to straddle sort of both worlds and make this sort of psychedelic indie pop rock music that has, you know, if you come to see it live, you'll see it kind of broken apart and done in kind of new and what I consider exciting ways. You know what I mean? So I want to have, you know, sort of, a record career where you make like <laughs> real songs and records. And, you know, I love to jam. I love it. And the fans sort of, I expect it from me and I like doing it. So having a little bit of both, but that's great that you heard the songs and you're not like, Oh my God, a jam band. You know what I mean? I like that because that is, I'm not thinking it's a four letter word, but it, it denotes something. <laughs> You know what I mean? And if you're listening to a song and you're like, oh, this is jam music, you know, which is super cool. Like, don't get me wrong. It's all it's all fucking relative and, and dope. But, you know, I I don't know. I like to what can I say? I like to experiment. I like to do a little of this and a little of that. And if you listen to my music like, yeah, you're going to hear like <laughs> all kinds of shit that isn't necessarily denoted. That, ah, not speaking English that doesn't denotate. <laughs> strictly jam band so that's cool that you say that and just wait to hear the record just wait to hear the record I was but, you know it, yeah how much when you went into the studio for, are you still recording the record or are you done basically all the songs the songs are done like basically this coming sunday is like the final day of of tracking you know and like that include when i work with my producer sometimes you know he's brilliant and can write all these electronic drum parts and program them, you know? And then I bring my real drummer in at the end to record real live drums over it. You know what I mean? And then get rid of the e-drums and that's sort of the vibe. So got to record like three full band tunes and then have, you know, basically cut a bunch of drum parts, but the records, the records close to done needs to be mixed, but it's like, we're, 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 we're getting close there. <laughs> were there any, directions you went into that you were surprised and didn't expect to go into while recording it where you're like oh i didn't know i had this in me totally every second of it i was like holy fuck what the fuck is this like (laughs) (laughs) absolutely oh my god yeah no i mean and that's part of the fun you know i remember there's one you know (laughs) i have a song on there called beacon that is maybe my favorite thing i've ever written and i didn't realize you know and i was so you know, the whole singing thing, like, I'm not like 
like a, a good singer in the sense of like somebody that you'd hire to sing for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be like Melissa Etheridge's backup singer. God fucking forbid. Like I, I, I'm just good at being myself. You know what I mean? I'm not particularly great at the bass. I'm not particularly great at singing. Like I don't have any of those qualities, but like, you know, I have kind of boundless enthusiasm and, you know, I know who I am, you know? So like throughout this whole process, kind of being shy almost. And, and this was like, you know, in May, I came in with the vocal concept for this thing. And I was like, all right, you know, your girl's about to do some singing, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> your girl's about to sing. And I was, I was kind of like, Oh shit, you know, let's see, let's see how this goes. And I just love the way it came out. And both me and my producer were both just like screaming, at the top of our lungs after like the first take it was it was a one take situation kept it keeping it you know what i mean like normally you have to go through quite a few permutations uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know sometimes it just comes out right and you're just like oh my god like i had no idea i had that in me you know what i mean and just like and that just is like a little notch on your confidence belt you know and uh so much of it has just been, again, like what we were talking about in the beginning through the process of experimentation and trying stuff out and like not waiting to be hit by the lightning bolt of creativity, but, but making it, you know, like just making shit happen day by day, nothing, you know, just a little elbow grease going on and seeing, Oh, maybe I can sing it like that. Oh shit. Like, you know, that's, that's different for you, Karina. All right. Let's see. Let's see if you can land that, you know? And, uh, I think I'm landing it. So it's, <laughs> it's been really interesting. <laughs> when, Cause you, I don't know the full, like sort of scope of your or trajectory of your career, but you played with Marco. When was there, was being the front person or the main person always the plan or was that, how did that, develop no plan no plan there's never been a plan that's the, that's the is there a plan now uh, you know i mean there's a there's a it's not so much a plan there are like things that that you know just steps to take but i don't have any expectations from where they'll lead to do you know what i mean like i want to make this record i want to play shows I'd like to make records and play shows. You know what I mean? Like that's sort of what I want to do in perpetuity. So, you know, what better way to start now? Um, no, I never, ever had the plan that I would be the front anything for, you know, for whatever reason. I was always too sort of realistic too. Like I was like before the Marco gig, I, and I told you I had this job as a promoter or like working for a promoter, you know? And I was like, Oh, this is a clear path forward. I think I'll just be, you know, music business bitch number <laughs> 6,000, whatever, you know, just cause it made sense at the time. It just made sense, you know? And, and there was, there was a path forward and I told you I was playing and, you know, kind of like five bands going nowhere at the time. It wasn't like a, a thing, but I was never the principal anything. You know what I mean? I wasn't the principal songwriter. I was like, you know, just, I loved it so much and I still do, you know, but then, even, you know, with my band, it started out, we would, we didn't, <laughs> my band started out super accidentally, like literally just, we would get on stage because somebody was like, Hey, Karina, you want to do a thing at this thing? And I was like, Oh, sure. And I called my buddies, Adam November and Chris Corsico. And I'm like, Hey guys, you want to just step on stage and improvise for 90 minutes? And they're like, yeah, definitely. 
And without a roadmap, without a song, without a A section or a B section, like nothing. We would just get up there and create shit out of thin air, you know? And people liked it. And I was like, oh, shit, you know? And then like about a year of that. And then I was like, guys, I think we need to write some songs, <laughs> you know? And then started writing songs. <laughs> and then, you know, literally like before I even had a song out to my name, you know, my band's like opening for one of my favorite bands at the Capitol theater and getting booked on these festivals and doing all this shit. I'm like, wow, like everything is sort of precipitated my belief in it. You know what I mean? Like the world has shown me that I need to keep doing it long before I had a product to, to show for myself. You know what I mean? Which is like, very confusing and whatever but now i'm like okay the plan is you make records you tour behind them whatever happens happens that's how i feel about it and this year like you know my band's gonna play red rocks you know opening for the infamous string dusters like you know my band's booked on all these festivals and gonna play the main stage at a festival that i played the smallest stage on last year like shit like that where i'm just like and i'm not going to disclose what that is but like really exciting shit where i'm like this is so cool and again i don't even have a record i'm so so stoked you know so i don't know just fucking trial and error baby just like writing a song <laughs> trial and error it's and just you know tenacity <laughs> Yeah, I did. It's amazing because I've been around this shit for a long fucking time, and I was in theater and shit in Chicago, and I saw a lot of people. And there was these, there was two kinds of people. There's people who, not, I don't know, like you seem to have this as sort of zen, like, and it just sort of, I mean, not that you didn't work, and not that you didn't study, and not that you didn't play, but like that sort of like unfolding of events is pretty fucking miraculous. And, it is. And there's other people, I've seen that with other people. I'm like, what the fuck is the secret? Like, why am I so in my, like, I'm in my head about everything. And I'm like, oh, I got to burf, ah, burf. That's me. That's my internal. <laughs> and I'm like, how does, how does one have this Zen sort of unfolding of events while others just stumble over themselves like me? Well, I mean, I stumble over myself plenty. And trust me, as much as I may come off to you as, as Zen, like I'm literally looking at like these, I, if you want, like, I, I am at least at this point, like a complete, like I do micromanage my shit like crazy. Like I am, I, and I work hard and I make set lists months in advance and think, Oh, let's try that. Like what'll push this over the edge that, you know? And I'm like, like literally like these are like, these are set lists with like notes about where the jams are going to go and how the, you know, and maybe thoughts about a segue that will happen months from now. Like I, like every key that every song I've ever written is in and what makes sense to go from one thing to like, you know what I mean? Like, as Zen as I am in terms of the end result, because I don't have any expectations, I'm definitely in the trenches with my own bullshit. You know what I mean? In a big way. Yeah. I certainly didn't mean to imply that you didn't work because I, I feel like oh, there yeah. is like, there's those performers who seem effortless and people don't like, I recently worked on a thing that was about Rodney Dangerfield and oh. we had his notes for when he would appear on the tonight show every fucking word was accounted for even when he's sitting on the couch with johnny carson wow which seems like it's like this sort of casual conversation every fucking word he had written down and it was a that and to be able to see that and then watch him do it it was just like oh and it was all just fucking work and it's like wow. 
but that's how we like and it's interesting because we'd have other people see look at his notes and they would all equate it to music they're like this these look like we're looking at music scales the way this is laid out it was wild super cool wow i mean yeah that's you know and but that go, you know there's no one way to skin a cat some people like to completely shoot from the hip and it seems effortless and it is effortless right like and then some people do that you know i recently i've had this kind of intense experience with a mentor of mine who's you know a famous super you know well-respected musician and stuff who's like kind of like doing like the he's like the <laughs> muhammad ali's trainer and I'm Muhammad Ali. He's like, are you ready? And is it the best it could be? Like, this needs to be tattooed on your arm. It's so good. It could be even better. And like being like, I wake up at 6 a.m. every day and I write until 5 p.m. And for every one song that comes out, I've written a hundred and like, you know, like shit like that, you know? And I'm like, wow, like, I don't operate like that. You know what I mean? Like that's a whole other level of like, you know, prolificness that maybe, you know, comes with a, you know, 30 year, 40 year successful career. You know what I mean? Like these are, these are things that probably come out as you develop and whatnot, but uh, you know, just sort of being privy to the fact that we don't all work the same, you know, we work the way we work, you know? And then I have a friend who is uh Roger Waters is mixing engineer who like goes to his house in the Hamptons and like Roger comes out with ideas and my friend records him in this crazy place, you know? And he says that Roger is the complete opposite from this other guy I'm talking about. And Roger, like the songs that you work on, they become the songs. There aren't a hundred songs for every one that comes out. You know what I mean? And like Roger Waters wrote the fucking wall. <laughs> You know, so it's just an interesting thing. And that's uh, the whole other thing of like, you know, to me, music is supposed to be fun music and especially mine, mine music is joyful, you know, and as much as I like to tinker and like things are never done. And I am like, you know, kept up at night by the idea of like, things could be better. Things could be more, this things could be more, you know, like what's going to send this over the edge, you know, we also, something's got to give at some point. Otherwise you're just the little fucking genius in your bedroom and nobody ever hears your shit. You know what I mean? Which is like, that's all fine and good for some people, but like, I want to have that communal experience that we've been talking about the whole time. The, the most important thing is that the shit comes out and we can all celebrate it together because hopefully somebody likes it and somebody buys a ticket to the show and we can all dance, you know, (laughs) I don't care if I have these great fucking songs that nobody ever hears. That doesn't do anything for me. If I was the most genius songwriter of all time, which I'm not for even a a, a second or an iota, you know, and, and I, you know, withheld them from the world, that would do me no good. That would make me feel nothing. Zero. You know, I want to have people, enjoy something and if it's my labor and if it's my music that would be fucking great but i just want people to enjoy themselves really i think that's fucking important you know thank you so much thank you so much matt you have a wonderful rest of your day you too to conversations with the wire please become a patreon subscriber if you like also subscribe to the show on your itunes or what have you not and tell your friends about the show that would mean a lot to me as well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or the mattdwire.com or conversations with the wire at the instagram 
And you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.